All right, so we are in the last chapter of the letter of the Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, and we've gone through all these chapters, and we've looked at the information on the book of Hebrews, and we are now come to chapter 13, the 25 verses we'll need to look at to close out this chapter and to close out this book of the book of the Hebrews, how wonderful it's been to go through and learn so much great and pertinent information that we have given to us by God through the Holy Scriptures and how awesome it is. So let us take a look at this now as we go into chapter 13. And it says in verse 1, it says, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. He says that let brotherly love, that is the kind of love between uh, Christians, let that continue. Don't be bitter against others. Don't be jealous against others, but let it continue. Let it continue on. And you remember that this is very interesting that he says this. It's very powerful because what he really is, is reiterating what Jesus said. You remember that Jesus said, that if you were to love one another, for all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another. So that's a very important thing. Love is a powerful thing. If you truly, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, love one another, you're going to look out for one another's welfare. You're going to take care of one another. You're going to look out for their needs. It's it's the kind of love that you have to have because we are in this huge family of other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And of that, we need to really love one another. And that's kind of lacking today a lot in churches that we don't care for one another. Other people pick out their problems. And some people are very, very critical of other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we ought not to be. He says, don't be forgetful to entertain, or that word means to uh, be hospitable to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now, in the first century, after Jesus had uh, ascended into heaven and the apostles began to be established as God's ministers, there were traveling evangelists that came around, traveling evangelists and ministers. And what they did was is they would come uh, through two towns, and they would come to a certain person's house, and you would naturally, they would say that they're a Christian. You would say that you're a Christian. They, you would bring them in. You would be hospitable to them and help them out. This is the idea that if a stranger came to you, don't turn them away because you don't know maybe God is sending an angel to you unaware and that you would entertain an angel. By entertaining a stranger, you don't know. You might be entertaining an angel. Now, this is very interesting because could it be that God sends people your way that you do not know that could be an angel from heaven to, to do whatever it may be that their mission or their ministry is to do? And uh, it's, it's very, very interesting. So don't be uh, forgetful. Don't be um, lax on entertaining strangers because in doing so, you might entertain an angel. And wouldn't that be a super blessing? He says, remember them that are in bonds as bound with them that suffer, which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. 
This is another interesting thing that the writer of Hebrews brings up this. Remember those that were in bonds. Again, perhaps another indication that this might have been Paul that wrote this letter. But he says, remember those that are in bonds is bound with them and them which suffer adversity or persecution uh, and as being yourselves also in the body. So don't forget them. Don't forget the brothers and sisters that are suffering for the cause of Christ, not suffering for being a thief or suffering for something else like that or killing or murdering someone, but this is genuine Christian suffering. He says marriage is honorable, is valuable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. In verse 4, this is indicating that marriage between a man and a woman, that must be stressed very clearly, no abominations of marriage would be given the green light as to be the bed undefiled, only the marriage between a man and a woman, and that the bed is undefiled. Well, that does not mean that Christians can go out and do anything they want in the marriage bed. I think it would have to be... uh, as to each person's uh, level of of comfort. And, you know, basically, you're not to be, let's just be clear about it, you're not to be a pervert in the bedroom, okay? We're Christians, and you got to remember that that you have the Spirit of God with you. And if you're doing dark and horrendously crazy and very sick and perverted things in the bedroom, yes, you have the right to do whatever you want in your own bedroom. No one's going to tell you what to do. But this is not an open ended command of to do whatever you want. I mean, that is crazy. We have to use some common sense. But as far as a marriage is concerned, as far as a man and a woman, and as far as uh, the bed or uh, relations, sexual relations, uh, it, it is fine. Because he says, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So he makes a distinction there that marriage is an honorable thing and that consummating and that sex within the marriage is is fine it's an honorable thing because there are some in the first century that taught that the body was wicked that the physical flesh was evil and you shouldn't you shouldn't even partake in sex because it was an awful and it was a horrible thing and the body was it's only the soul and the spirit that mattered that it is important to know that this is the distinction that he's making between the two He says again in verse 5, let your conversation, or that can be your conduct, the manner in which you conduct your life, be without covetousness, constant wanting, constant needing of things, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So isn't that a beautiful, comforting verse that we are not to have our conduct, we're not to the way we live our life in, in, in covetous and in wantingness, and be content with the things that we have. Many people are not content, oh, I need a bigger house, I need a bigger car, I need this or I need that. No. Be content with the things that you have. Don't be worrying about having a mansion or this house or that house or whatever. He says, be content with such things as you have, for I will, he said, he will never leave us nor forsake us, so that we may boldly say, the Lord's my helper, and that's it, the Lord is our helper, and we should not be afraid of what men can do to us. He says, remember that, remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. 
Now, here he, right away you could say, well, remember those that have the rule over you, and then it's a good thing that he clarifies it with who have spoken unto you the word of God. So this is clearly men of God that are speaking the word of God. This is clearly men of God who have great faith, men of God that are good godly examples. An example would be Peter, Paul, those type of men. And I'm sure that there are men like that today. They're hard to find, but they're out there who are full of faith and have spoken the word of God. That They had the authority over them in the sense that they were called by God to minister the word of God to those individuals, to you. And it says, whose faith follow. Remember that. You don't blindly follow someone, oh, well, this person is teaching the word of God, so they must be fine. No, you've got to look at also that their faith is following, it says, considering the end of their conversation or considering the end of their conduct. If they're preaching the word of God, is their faith following that? Are they conducting their life as a true Christian? Are they faithful? Are they clean? Are they godly? Walking in this manner, giving out the word of God this way. Those type of individuals who's not teaching false doctrine or error or being into the world or all of that. That's how you tell. And those that are over you, that's how you would follow them. He says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. We often use that all the time. God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to change. You have people out there that say, oh, well, God accepts homosexuals. No, God is not going to change. Jesus doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he said back then is what he means it today and what he'll mean in the future. There is no changing. There's no variableness or shadow of turning, the Bible says, with God. So remember that, that Jesus Christ is not going to change for you, comfort you in your sins, or he's not going to change his ideas about how things are just because society may dictate so. No, he's not going to do that. And we have to remember that Jesus Christ, God, will stay the same forever. And what he says he means and will mean forever. Now he says, do be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. That's different and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Meats means doctrines or teachings. You remember that Jesus, when he was in the boat with his disciples, and he talked about the leaven of the Pharisees, and the disciples thought that he was talking about food and that they forgot to bring bread. And he says, no, that he was talking about the doctrine or the teachings of the Pharisees. So that's what meat is. It's don't be carried about with different and strange doctrines. It's a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. This is important for us to know too today. Because there are many strange, weird, varied, crazy doctrines that are being taught in pulpits and in Bible colleges and seminaries and in ministers and evangelists. They teach all kinds of weird and strange things. If it's not clarified in the Bible, if it is not if it can't be verified from the scriptures, it is a crazy, strange doctrine and should be rejected. Uh, example of a doctrine that should be rejected is pre-tribulation rapture. 
that gets a lot of people rubbed wrong. But pre-tribulation rapture is false. Pre-tribulation rapture is not in the Bible at all. It's a false doctrine. It's been proven so many, many, many times. And those that hold to the pre-tribulation doctrine, those that hold to it simply have not studied it, and they have not read their Bible through all the way. They haven't voraciously studied the Scriptures to understand that that is nowhere to be found or taught in there. And many, many people continue to latch on to that in the hopes of having some good, uh, comforting thing to hold on to into the future because they would rather not go through the tribulation. Well, no one would rather go through the tribulation. As a matter of fact, all those people that would hold to the post-tribulation rapture as we do, we would be the first ones to tell you we don't want to go through it. There's no way. But being honest and honest with the scriptures, it's important that we establish that. So he says, don't be carried away. That's very important because that's one of the prime ways the devil It's one of the prime ways that Satan tricks followers of Jesus by getting them to suck up to strange and weird doctrines that gets them thrown off the path and gets them walking in a different occupation. What do you think the cults are? What do you think the JWs and the Mormons and all these other cults that are out there? That's strange doctrines that people have latched onto and believed it. He says, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle, talking about the Jews. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. That's talking about the the law, and it's talking about how the Jews sacrificed, and they thinking by sacrificing that they are pleasing to God. And we don't do that, he says. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. He says, let us therefore go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach for Here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. That is the heavenly kingdom, right? He says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So we are to continually offer sacrifice of praise. Praise God. Thank God. Praising God. Wonderful God thanking God for the grace of God, continually with our lips speaking out. That's what he means, continually speaking out the praises of God. Lift your voice up like a trumpet and declare the good works of God that he has done unto people. That is what we are to be doing. And that is God is well pleased when you continue to bring up his name, you continue to praise him for the good things that he's done and continue to testify of his goodness. Verse 17 now, he says, Obey them that have the rule over you. That's the same thing as he said here in verse 7. He says, again, he's saying, he's just reiterating it. Obey them which have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So in verse 7, he said as is closing in this chapter reminding them that that have the rule over them that spoke in the word of god whose faith follow in the end of their conduct or conversation and verse 17 he says it again for them to submit themselves to them but you're submitting yourself to men who have proven themselves to be faithful in doctrine faithful in life being faithful and full of grace 
and not being teaching false doctrines or having some some uh, strange manner of life and the way they do things. You have to find somebody. They are out there. Believe me, brothers and sisters, they're out there. You have to find someone if you're going to be... You don't submit under somebody just because they claim to be a pastor. You don't submit to somebody just because they claim to be a minister of God. You don't submit to somebody because they come up to you and say, Oh, I'm a prophet of God. You have to submit to me. No, there, there's a series of tests. What did they, he say it was? One of them was that they spoke the word of God to them. One of them whose faith follows what they teach. The other was that they live their life after the teachings of the Lord, after the the faith that they had. And that's why he says here, then, because they watch out for your souls. These are men that are dedicated to God to the very end, that are willing to teach and do and watch out for the souls of other people because God has given them that jar, that charge, that job. And he says, do it. Don't be a burden to them. Don't be a problem to them. Let them do it with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you because that person would become burdened and eventually want to just give up the ministry altogether. Verse 18, he says, pray for us, for we trust we have good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you rather to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. Again, more language that points in the direction, not saying that Paul is the author of Hebrews, but we are saying that this language is pointing in that direction that it looks more and more like Paul might have written this letter because he says the same type of language, restored to you the sooner he wrote in some of the other letters. He says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he goes on with four more verses in a quick closing. But he's saying that the God of peace who brought again the Lord Jesus from the dead, verifying the resurrection, the shepherd of the sheep, Jesus is the great pastor, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. What is that? That is, when you become saved, you are always saved. You cannot lose that salvation. The great pastor of his people will not lose any of his people. He says, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, and I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, For I have written a letter unto you in few words. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Again, verse 23, another arrow pointing that it could possibly be Paul that wrote this book. But if you remember, when we started out in the book of Hebrews, we talked about how it was not important at all for us to know who wrote the book of Hebrews that it didn't matter, and it still doesn't matter. After 13 chapters, even though we have three or four little signs and evidence that may point to the fact that Paul may be the author, it still doesn't matter. We're not told that it was him, and we're not told that it was not him. So therefore, it really still doesn't matter that who, who wrote it, because it's a powerful book, 
we know that God wrote it to us for us to learn from. And he says, Salute all them that have the rule over you, and all the saints. They of Italy salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. So then we end the book of Hebrews. How wonderful it was to go through this journey. We pray that you were blessed by it.